Good morning, everybody. So glad that you could join us again for our online service. We are thrilled to have you. And again, as always, you belong here. And we're so privileged and honored that you would invite us to where you're at this morning uh, just to hear the word of God today. So I'm excited as I am every week. I say that all the time. I'm excited for what God is going to share with us today. How I many know that our excitement should always be turned on when, when we talk about God, when we talk about the word of God, because God is always turned on. He's always ready to go, ready to impart, ready to give direction, ready to open up our eyes to see. And so this morning, it's no different that we have a God who is turned on and ready to show you and I who he is so that we could become more like him. So again, we're so glad that you came to join us because it wouldn't be the same without you. So we're so thrilled that you're here. So let's pray before we jump in and we'll get going. So Father, we love you this morning. Again, so thankful for who you are, Jesus. Lord, we just worship you and honor you as the King, as Lord of Lords, and we just magnify your name, Jesus. And this morning, Father, as we come before your word, we come with reverence, we come with respect and this just deep awe of who you are. And Lord, right now, we also just acknowledge the mighty spirit who lives strong and mighty on the inside of us. He is showing us things to come. He's revealing all truth to us. And he's also bringing things to our remembrance that you spoke and that you said through your son, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for making Jesus big in our lives, making him big in our mind, that we continually to see him for who he really is. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, well, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the most famous scripture in the Bible, John 3, 16. Let's turn there for a quick moment. And again, we're going to be talking about a strong foundation. And it's been so fun, even for my own personal self, as we've been going through uh, kind of the series, it's been really neat just to kind of go, Lord, what do you want to do? And kind of how I've operated before was always like, I kind of had a, a phrase or just maybe something stirring in my heart and I'll kind of go on that series. But for what we've been doing now, we've just kind of been following the Lord and allowing the Lord just to go, hey, this is what I want to talk on this Sunday. And it's, I believe it's custom made right for where we are as a church family. And so I'm so glad again, like you tune in because God's got a specific word. You know, sometimes it's one of the downfalls is that we're always looking for something new. What's the new thing? What's the new thing? And again, that's nothing necessarily wrong. But how many know that not so much as the new thing is important as much as the now thing? What is the now word that God has for us, has for you specifically? Because again, we want to heed those words. We want to understand what he's saying so that we can continue to march forward in the days to come. And uh, so what we've been talking about, again, as a church, is we've been focusing on the foundation, making sure that our foundation is secure in the love of God. And again, in John 3, 16, this is, the, this is a very, again, popular verse, probably the most well-known verse in the entire Bible. But there's so much truth, so much power invested in these words. And how I many know the entire Old Testament points to this scripture, and the entire New Testament proves that this scripture is true. In fact, it's it's amazing, this John 3, 16 verse, that you and I, our entire eternity, your after this life is over, we are depending that John 3, 16 is true. And so let's read it together. And I'm reading a lot to you today from the uh, Passion Bible. So if you want to follow along, if you have one, if you don't, maybe you can go on your phone. You can, you can get it on there. I know the Bible app has it. And there just brings out a lot of cool Aramaic words uh, that I just really felt that, hey, that's good for today's message. So John 3, 16, it says this, For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish. Come on, say it with me, never perish. Oh, I'm so thankful. I will never perish, 
But because I believe in him, I will experience everlasting life. You know, what we said uh, even last week on this is that when we read the word of God, because again, whoever believes in him will experience everlasting life. And so the question I want to ask next is, what is everlasting life? And from the word of God, you know what? It's always important that we put on our John 3:16 glasses. Because whenever you kind of look through the word of God, whenever you're reading through the word of God, I want you to actually just have this verse in the back of your mind because it is the motivation. It's the heart behind what God does everything that he does. Why he created the world, why he, you know, sent Jesus for us, why he saved us, why he heals us, why he fills us with the Holy Spirit, why he blesses us, why he gave us peace, why he gives us joy, why our eternity is looked after, why he gave us the Spirit of God to lead us from the inside. It's all because he's motivated and moved by love. In fact, if you read through the Gospels, you'll find time and time again that Jesus, because he had compassion on an individual or compassion on the multitude, it caused him to act. Well, when you see Jesus, you see the Father. What did Jesus do? He was moved by compassion. Therefore, our Father, God, is moved by compassion. So again, why did he send his Son? Because he loved the world so much. And whoever believes in him, in the Son... What will they experience? Come on, everlasting life. Now, I want to ask this question. What is everlasting life? And we talked a little bit about it last week, but I want to go a little bit further in it this week. And in John chapter 17, verse 3, again, in the Passion Bible, it says it like this. Eternal life means to know and experience. Come on, I want you to say that with me. To know and experience you as the only true God, and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. Now, you know, it's one thing to talk about what eternal life is by, you know, if I want to sometimes understand, you know, a term or a definition of a certain word, you know, one thing that actually helps is to understand what it is not. So what eternal life is not, it's not living forever. Eternal life does not mean living forever. Why? Because every human being lives forever. Whether you're in hell or you're in heaven, you are going to live forever because we were made in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, we are eternal beings. Nor does eternal life mean this, that living forever in the blessings of heaven as opposed to being tormented in hell. That does not mean everlasting life. Although thank God for that, but that's not the focus. That's not the emphasis of what eternal life is. Again, another thing of what eternal life is not. Eternal life is not knowing about God or about his son Jesus. Because again, if you look through the Gospels, you see time and time again, the Pharisees, they knew lots about the Bible or the Torah, right? Actually, they were, you know, as, as most men in that, in that time, they were commanded or they were actually studied the first five books of the Bible. They studied it. They memorized it. Yet, they didn't know him. They didn't know Jesus. When Jesus came, when God came to them in the flesh, they didn't even recognize him. Even though they knew off by heart, they could quote any scripture in the first five books of the Bible. So what was the problem? Instead, they knew the moral standards that God had set. They knew the religious ceremonies, but they never experienced knowing Jesus. So in their head knowledge, the problem was as they developed spiritual pride. They had a lot of knowledge about the Bible, but the Bible will always lead you and I to someone. 
Again, this word that you and I have in our laps or that you have that you're looking at in your own home or you're listening to right now, the word of God is not just another nice textbook. The word of God is a person. It's Jesus. That's who it is. So anytime we're spending time in this word, it should always lead us to someone and his name is Jesus. If it doesn't, what's the problem now is that the, the potential danger for it is now we have spiritual pride where I get puffed up and I start knowing all these things because hey, it's what the Bible says so it must be true and you just become real heady. And that is not helpful in advancing the kingdom of God, right? When you be when you get so heady with the word of God, all that you have now is you're just ready to debate somebody on Facebook or Instagram. And that ain't helpful in any kind of sort. Now, I want you to just see, I'll read this verse to you. You don't have to turn there. But 1 Corinthians 8, 1, the Apostle Paul, it says this. It seems that everyone believes his own opinion is right on this matter. They're talking about sacrificing food and different things like that. But he's, I just want you to get the, the bigger idea in this, is that it seems that everyone believes his own opinion is right. How easily we get puffed up over our own opinions, but love builds up the structure for our new life. So what's he saying with all this is that head knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So again, it's so crucial for you and I that we don't just get so heady with the word of God that we just, oh yeah, I've heard that, I've heard that, I've heard that. But the Bible is always supposed to lead us into an experience or lead us into an encounter with the living God. That's what separates us from any other religion out there is that our God is alive, our God is real, and he wants you and I to experience his love on a regular basis. That is the major difference. Now, so that's what eternal life is not. What is eternal life in now? This eternal life is living life on this earth, seeing and experiencing God's reality, right? It, again, the definition that Jesus said or the words that Jesus said in John 17, 3, eternal life means this, is that I know and I experience the true God and to know and experience the one that he has sent, his son, Jesus Christ. So, and I want to just say it like this for you and I today, is that eternal life is living this life on this earth seeing and experiencing God's reality today. Again, eternal life does not mean how long I'm going to live. It's going to mean the quality of life that I live while I'm on this earth. Aren't you thankful that eternal life doesn't start the day you die or the day you know when Jesus comes back for us? Eternal life starts now. So you and I, we have been given the mighty Holy Spirit, as we went over this a little while ago. He's been given to us now so that we can experience and we can see eternal life today. March 21st, 2021, I can experience eternal life. Whoop, whoop. That ought to make you get up, run around your couch a little bit and go, man, that, that's for me today. I don't got to wait one day. It's for us right now. Come on, say it with me, right now, right now. And that's good news. That's for us. And I want to give you a couple of verses for this just to prove that Jesus' heart was for us to experience it now. John 5, 24. Again, in the Passion, it says it like this. Jesus said, I speak to you an eternal truth. If you embrace my message, right? If you take it and you embrace what I say and believe in the one who sent me, you will never face condemnation. Yes. Then he says, in me, you have already passed from the realm of death into eternal life. 
So listen, again, what is Jesus talking about? You've already passed because you've embraced his message, right? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've embraced it. You believe in the one whom God has sent. You believe in the one that Jesus was sent by in God the Father. It says you will never face, say it with me, I will never face condemnation. Thank God. That's his mercy. That's his goodness. But then he says, in me, in Jesus is saying, in me, you have already passed from the realm, the realm of death into eternal life. So there is a realm of eternal life. You and I, through Jesus, have stepped out of death and I've stepped into eternal life. So right now I'm operating and I'm walking in it. Now, John 3 36. And before I read this verse, I want to just make mention, this is what the Christian life is all about. The Christian life is not about you and I trying to get things from God or trying to twist God's arm to get him to do something nice for us. That's not it at all. The Christian life is now realizing and understanding what God has already deposited in you through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then he gave you the Holy Spirit when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Now everything God has, has been given to you. It's been placed on the inside of you. So now, rather than me trying to get what God has, I'm now learning how to release what I've already been given. And that's why it's important that you and I understand this whole foundation of love that we live in and learning to live by what God says is true. This is what the Christian life is. So let's simplify the gospel. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to give us everything that heaven already had so that we could operate the same way that he operated. Boom, done. That's what it is. Right now, let me just read this. John 3.36 again in the Passion. Those who trust in the Son... Notice it says they possess eternal life. Come on, say it with me. I possess eternal life. One more time. I possess eternal life. When? Right now. I have eternal life right now. He says those who don't obey the Son will not see life. And God's anger will rise up against them. Now, I want to just show you this from the Mirror Bible. I don't know if you've ever heard the Mirror Bible, but it's, it's a really unique and cool way of uh, bringing out the you know paraphrases to some of these words. And I want to read you John 3.36 from the Mirror. It says this, To be persuaded about sonship as unveiled in the Son, um, it to fully participate, let me just read that again. To be persuaded about sonship as unveiled in the Son is to fully participate in the life of the ages or eternal life. To be unpersuaded about sonship is to remain blindfold mode to life itself in the here and now. What's he saying? That because I'm persuaded about my sonship, because I've, been, I've seen it through the Son, Jesus Christ, and I've embraced that truth. For me now, I actually participate in the life of the ages, or I participate in the um, uh, eternal life. That's what this whole thing is suggesting. So that because I've experienced or I've accepted and I've seen the sonship that Jesus came to reveal to me, I believe in that. Therefore, now I live in a different realm. And so knowing him and seeing life as he does, I will now experience eternal life. Again, let me say that one more time. Knowing him, knowing him, experience him, seeing life as he does is for me to experience eternal life. Now, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to give us a paradigm shift. 
Not only, yes, absolutely, he came to demolish sin. He came to get rid of sin for all mankind so that now by embracing him, I'm no longer sin conscious. I now become righteousness conscious. But the whole point of the salvation message in that is not just, it's not sin focused in the sense of he had to get rid of sin. Yeah, that's a big part of it. But the whole point why God did what he did is because he wanted relationship with you and I. He wanted us participating in eternal life with him. That's why Jesus went to the cross. John 17, 3. This is eternal life. This is why Jesus was sent. So that you and I could have eternal life. Live like God lives. Experience God on this earth. Have a relationship with God while I'm here on this planet. That's the whole premise. Religion seems to always talk about sin and the things you mess up and the problems that were there. Now don't get me wrong, Jesus paid a tremendous price for our sin and I will always glorify and magnify him, but that wasn't on Jesus' mind. The focus wasn't, man, these people are so sinful, I gotta fix all that. He did that, but the reason he did that is because he wanted to be in connection with you and I. That was the greater focus that he had. Now, because it's, again, eternal life is to know him, me on this life and on this earth, I can experience eternal life today and now, and that's his heart. But how do I do that? You see throughout the word of God is that he asks us and requires you and I to get our eyes up. Rather than constantly looking at the here and the now and the external and the natural, God wants us to get our eyes up so that we can see what he sees so that I can live in a way that he sees. That make sense? Okay. Now let's look at this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Here's what the word of God tells us to do with our eyes. 1 John 3, 1. It says, look. Everybody say, look. Look. Look with wonder at the depth of of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us, he has called us and made us his very own beloved children. Now, the focus on this is look with wonder at the the depth of the Father's marvelous love. Look and keep on looking. Because again, what is the world out there trying to do? It's trying to distract us. Pull away our eyes. Pull away you know, our focus from what's, what God is doing and His love for us to everything that's happening in the external realm so that we get so caught up, get so distracted and focused on this that we lose sight of how much we are loved by God. Again, again, the reason we're talking about this because this is my firm foundation. I am loved by God. That's who I am. So if this becomes my foundation by keeping my eyes on how much I'm loved, I'm able to respond. I'm able to talk. I'm able to think. I'm able to, you know, my entire life comes from this place. I am loved. I'm a husband from this place. I'm a father from this place. I know I lead this church from this place. I'm a leader in in my community in this place. I'm a business leader from this place, right? You name it, whatever you are, I do it from this place, my firm foundation, knowing I am loved. So what 1 John 3, 1 is telling you and I here, it's look and keep on looking. Fix your gaze, fix your sight on how much the Father has lavished his love upon you and I. Next verse I want to show you is this. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Again, the Apostle Paul says these words. He says, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts. Come on, say with me. Fill your thoughts. With what? With heavenly realities and not the distractions of the natural realm. What am I supposed to do with my thoughts? I'm supposed to fill my thoughts with what? The heavenly realities. 
And what are the heavenly realities? They're all based in how much I am loved by God. You know, I want to read this verse to you again. Uh, or just another concept of this is that when you see the realities of the kingdom of God and his intense love for you, you will never fall for the inferior realities of this world. Let me just say that one more time. When you see the realities of the kingdom of God and his intense love for you, you will never fall for the inferior realities of this world. You know what this, what this verse is telling you and I is that we need to relocate ourselves mentally. We have got to get off of what's happening here on the mundane, on the natural or the, the inferior realities that are happening here and fix our attention on the superior reality, which is I'm in him, he's in me, I am loved by God. When I stay there, man, how does that change my life? It changes my viewpoints. It changes everything about me. Why? Because I'm loved. Makes it easy to forgive someone who's wronged me. Why? Because I'm loved. Makes it so easy for me to, you know, receive the blessings of God. Why? Because he loves me. I'm focused and fixed my attention on how loved that I am. The next verse I want to show you is this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 through 18. He says this, We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison. Why is this? Because, verse 18 tells us, we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What are we focusing on? The things that are seen? No, the things that are unseen. Why? For what is seen, again, what you see in the natural, is temporary, but the unseen realm, what you can't see with these natural eyes, is eternal. Okay? So what's you and he telling you and I have got to get look good at not seeing what we or seeing what we cannot see. We've got to get good at that. And the way we look into the eternal realm or we look into the realm of the unseen is by spending time in this word. This word, I mean, I just love the way that it brings it out. Uh, there's an unseen realm. Did you know that the unseen realm is more real than the seen realm? Why is that? Because the unseen realm created this seen realm. So how do I relocate my thoughts mentally, like Colossians you know, two, 3 tells us? How do I do that? How do I change my thinking and focus on the realities of heaven, which is the unseen world? I spend time in the Word of God because the Word of God paints the picture now for you and I of what the unseen realities are. That's what this whole, that's what this book is all about. It talks about heaven. It talks about being in Christ. It talks about what does it look like to be, you know, a believer in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It talks about the power that's in that name. It talks about what the death of Jesus did, what his burial and resurrection all means for us. It's all unseen, but when you embrace that truth, embrace that reality, and you apply it to your life, now you're starting to get the results of God. And again, it's all founded in how much I am loved by God. Last verse I want to show you about just fixing our attention is in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And let's look at that again together. It says this, As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out before us. Now verse 2. 
We look away from the natural realm. Come on, say that with me. We look away from the natural realm. And what? And now we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus. What are we doing with our attention? Our focus and our attention and expectation, we put it on Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward in faith's perfection. So what is God telling us? He is telling them this, we need to become fully engaged in a superior reality, which is, I am loved by God. What is a more superior reality than maybe what you're seeing right now in the natural? All the chaos that we know that's across this world. Maybe it's chaos that you're even experiencing in your own life, through your own, you know, you know, with loss of jobs or anything that's going on in your life, with family problems. There is a superior reality that God is trying to get his, his, you and I, our attention that we must focus on. And it's this, I am loved by God. I want you to say that two times with me. I am loved by God. One more time. I am loved by God. God loves me. And maybe you've heard that a thousand times. You need to hear it another thousand times. Well, how long do I hear it? You hear it until it dawns on you that the same love that the Father has for Jesus, He has for me. He loves me the exact same way. When that reality dawns on you, when you get revelation knowledge, and that means simply comes, right, like knowledge comes to your head. Revelation knowledge means from the inside. You get it revealed on the inside, and it just impacts your, your mind, and you go, oh, man, I see it. That's where you say, oh, the lights came on. Ever had those moments? Man, when you understand that I am loved by God, it changes everything about your life. It changes everything about your life. And why is this so important that we are rooted and grounded in this love? Because living aware of God's love towards me causes me to live my life from a higher perspective, beyond knowledge, and into an experiential relationship. That's what the, why it's so important. Again, a breakthrough in faith is a breakthrough in revelation knowledge. You don't have a faith problem. Come on, I'm saying it again. You do not have a faith problem. Faith is not the problem. What could be a potential problem is that you don't see it. You don't have revelation knowledge on it. Because when you see it, you see it. And that's a spiritual principle, is that when I see it on the inside, then I see it manifest on the outside. That's how God works. God works from the inside out. And that's what I said earlier about this Christian life, is now about releasing what God has already put in us, and now releasing it on the outside. A lot of times you and I, or people, Christians out there, are looking for an external thing. They're looking for God to do something externally to help them or to bless them. God's already done all that. It's in us now. So what you and I need to do, we have to now see with the eyes of our heart what God has already done so that we can now see it manifested. And that's why we pray the Ephesians prayers on a regular basis. Lord, open up the eyes of my understanding. Open up my eyes so that I can see the amazing, you know, the goodness that you've done in my life. How great is your power that you've invested in me. You know, read that prayer, Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, 15 through 23 just read those verses and it's the prayer that the apostle prayed for the church is that our eyes be open to see what's already been done that's what you and i need now remember again jesus commanded us this he told us this before he went to the cross john chapter 15 and verse 9 he said these words i love each of you with the same love that the father loves me he says you must come on with me you must 
I must do what? Continually let my love nourish your hearts. You know, the Message Bible says it like this. Make yourself at home in my love. Because again, my love for God doesn't sustain me when troubles and problems come my way. What sustains me, what keeps me strong and solid pushing forward is how much I am loved by God, knowing it and experiencing it. That's what keeps you going. No matter what trial comes your way, when you know you're loved by God, it causes you to rise up again and say, let's do this again rather than just crumbling to the defeat or crumbling to the problem. No, 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 I'm loved by God. Let's go, let's go. Father, you love me, thank you for strength. That's why he does it, right? Next, if you desire to deepen your relationship with the Lord, therefore deepening your foundation and your experience with him, it requires that I allow his love to nourish my heart on a regular basis or I make myself at home in his love. Come on, make yourself at home. Maybe you're watching from home this morning. What are you doing? You're sitting in your home. You're relaxed. You've got your feet up. You're just enjoying your home. Well, God is saying, make yourself at home. Where? In how much you are loved. This is our home plate. This is where we start. This is where we gather. Right? Whenever the tough things go out, we go right back to, I'm loved by God. Somebody, boom, an attack comes my way. My first place is, I am loved by God. That's our home. That's where it all begins. Now, um, in keeping my eyes focused on how loved I am, as I said, it changes my perspective in life to living as a loved child. Now, we've said this. This is what we went over last week. 1 John 3.16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Now, one of the things that I've, I've found so important, especially as a minister, is that you know it's so important for us again, as ministers or even as Christians when working with people is to always emphasize God's part, his love, what his love accomplished. Make a big deal about that. It makes man's side so much easier just to receive. (laughs) That's what we're doing, right? That it makes it very clear. So last week we talked about Jesus gave up his life for me. Why? So that I could be carefree. This morning, the last few minutes I have with us this morning is I want to remind you, he gave up his life for me. Why? So that I could fully trust him. I know it sounds simple, but he gave up his life for me. So what does that mean? I can trust him with everything. Listen, you've already entrusted him or trusted him. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're trusting that your salvation, that your eternity is secure in him. And we, we said in John 3, 16, you trust him so much that after you breathe your last breath on this planet, if the Lord tarries is coming, that you are secure knowing that you're going to be with the Lord forever. How, how do you know that? How can you be so sure? You trust him. And where does this trust come? It's developed when you understand how much you are loved. Right? It's the same even from a natural standpoint. I know my wife, my wonderful wife, Jamie and I, we have an amazing marriage. We have a wonderful marriage. And why is that? It's because over, the, over time while we were dating, you know, engaged, what's happening is we spend time with one another, our trust is being developed. And now even as we've, you know, we're 12, almost going on, on to 13 years married here. And how, how can that be? How can it continue to grow? And how can it continue to be strong? It's because there's mutual trust with one another. And that's the same way with the Lord. How do I grow in my trust with God? I let him love me. I make myself at home in his love. And the more I do that, it becomes easier and easier just to say, I trust you. 
I trust you with this situation. I trust you with my eternity. So hey, I can trust you with the you know the the less important stuff on this earth. Surely I can trust him with that. But again, it begins just by trusting him. Jesus gave up his life for me. So what? I trust him. Now, let's I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. This will be the last verses I want to read you. And I want to just look through a couple of these verses. Matthew chapter 6, 24 through 34. And again, it's all about this trust issue. And last week we talked about I can be carefree because God cares for me. And thank God for that. I think this is a little bit of a continuation on that a little bit. But Jesus paid a tremendous price for us so that we can trust him. And in verse 24, it says this. Um, Jesus said, how could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. So verse 25. So that okay, there's that's a reality. So what Jesus is telling us is that you are either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. You choose which one I'm going to serve. Now, if you serve, if your choice is God, then you can continue reading on. He says in verse 25, let's, let's now we've made that decision. Now, how many of you choosing to worship God or you're choosing to trust God or choosing to serve God all your days? Okay, yeah, that's, that's me. So let's continue reading on. So if you chose to serve God, and now he says, this is why I tell you, never be worried about your life. Never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided. Man, those are good words. He says, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Verse 26, consider the birds or look at the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? Now stop and think of it for a minute. Do birds, and maybe you just look outside your window right now. Do birds worry about their existence? No. Look at this. They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they are? Now look at that bird again that you're maybe, maybe you're driving, maybe you're listening to a podcast, or if you're just sitting down this morning, look outside of the window. Maybe if you're in a more of a mature neighborhood, you can kind of see a couple of birds. I want you just to stop and look at that bird for a moment and ask yourself that question. Am I more important than that bird to God? And if the answer is yes, well, it already told us what the father would do for the birds. He looks after them and they don't sow or reap. They don't do anything. Yet God provides for them. Okay, then he says, verse 27. So which of you, by worrying, could add, a, could add anything to your life? And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. Well, right now in Alberta, it's a little brown. So don't have a lot of flowers you can, you know, maybe Google a couple of pictures. It says, they don't work or toil for their clothing. And yet not even Solomon, King Solomon, in all of his splendor was robed in beauty like one of these. So if God has clothed, clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time, and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need? Oh, you have little faith. So then... Forsake your worries, like we did last week. We cast that care. Forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will I eat? Or what am I gonna drink? Or what am I gonna wear? 
For that is what the unbelievers chase after. What are the unbelievers chasing after? All that stuff. Again, what's the, un- what's the unbeliever? Those that don't believe in God, don't believe in Jesus as the Christ. It says they chase after that. He says, doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your body require? Doesn't he already know? The answer is yes. So now verse 33. So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom. Seek his kingdom. Or another way of looking at it is, look into the eternal life that he gave you. Seek that out. Seek out the kingdom of God. Seek the eternal world. Seek the unseen world. See what he's already provided. And his righteousness, it says, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. God's totally going to look after you in all those little things. What's my job? My job is to keep my eyes fixed and focused on how loved I am by God. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And because he loves me, he's going to look after my stuff. He's going to look after me. Right? That's the bottom line. Verse 34. He says, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of yourself. You know, life is more important. Life isn't measured by square footage. Life isn't measured by your nice new vehicle. Life isn't measured by a paycheck. Life is measured, you know, in Luke's gospel around the same account, chapter 12, verse 21, Jesus said that your life is measured by your rich relationship with God. And how do I grow in a rich relationship with the Lord? And I know and I understand how loved I am. Again, this is the foundation. This is where I plant myself. This is where I get rooted and grounded. And I am loved. And if he takes care of all the birds, he clothes all the the flowers in the field, he will certainly take care of me. So now what do I do? What is my primary focus? What do I do every day that I wake up? My intention is, is to seek first or to continually, I like the way the message Bible says it, is to steep myself in God realities. Steep myself in it. The realities of heaven. And where are those realities? They're not seen. It's in the unseen world. Steep yourself in this word. Steep yourself in how loved I am by God. Keep my eyes fixed on that reality. And the result is all those other things that the world or people that don't believe in God look after, he will just simply add it to you. And in the Passion Bible it says, given to you in abundance. This is what we do, church. This is how we are. This is our response to everything that's going out there, to all the chaos and the undisturbedness and just it's wild up there. It's crazy out there. So what do I want to do? I continue to seek first the kingdom of God, his ways of operating, his way of doing things, understanding what he's already done in me and how much I'm loved by him. And all those things will just come to me. Right? That's how our father planned it. And he has not changed. This word was just as powerful today as when Jesus spoke these words from his own lips over 2,000 years ago. Believe him. Trust him. He has your best interest at heart. You just have to give him access. And his access point to us is involved in our seeking, involved in focusing my attention, is involved in me filling my thoughts with heavenly realities so that it can dawn on me how loved I am. Amen. 
Well, I trust this was a blessing to you again. Thank you so much for joining us. Please, if you want to reach out to us, if you got questions of any kind, if we can pray with you in any kind of way, make sure you reach out to us because we love you. We're here for you. We're here to impact generations for Jesus. So thank you so much for being a part of us and we will continue to see you online. And if you're around in the Red Deer area, we'll hope to see you soon in person. Have a good rest of your day.